passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to... Our Money in the Bank review. I am John Pollock and waiting here at Post Wrestling. Thank you for jumping on for our live review. Moments after our three-hour, 37-minute premium live event from London, England. Was it about the length you expected? Um, Give or take, yeah. I, I figured we were going to be past that three-hour mark. So going uh, anytime you're flirting towards four hours, that's... uh. That's a show. That is certainly a show. But a, as expected, very hot crowd at the O2 Arena that um, was on its feet for most of this show. I mean, this was a great, great crowd that they had tonight. And that was evident from the first match onward. Absolutely. I, I mean, as as the man himself said in the center of that ring, they are the show. You know, anytime you're in, in a, a special place, like, you know, whether it be whether it be New York, whether it be Montreal, whether it be Toronto, whether it be it's San Juan, but especially anywhere in England or, or in the UK, you you know you're in for a good show simply because of the crowd. We will talk about one of the more interesting segments on a WWE pay-per-view in a long mm-hmm. time as oh, our yeah. international ambassador, John Cena, would appear on this show and seeming to make a pitch for uh, all of your uh, your local dollars to go towards securing WrestleMania for London, England. Was it so much of a pitch, or was I it think more it was as much as a um, um? I mean, we will. Do you want to talk a bit about that segment right now? It was John sure. Cena appearing and essentially stating, "You fans have been underserved. You deserve WrestleMania." And I cannot fathom doing this segment uh, in such a public fashion, and that this is not something that is in the um, in the planning stages, if not outright um planned for them because i think this would be such a letdown uh to this this country at this point to not have a wrestlemania set up for them but i think one of the keys though is the fact that for these especially as nick Khan has stated for these big shows like they want big um fees from from municipalities to come and to do them. And they did get one in Cardiff uh, for last September's show. They did not get one for this one for money in the bank. And I would think for a giant WrestleMania event and what it means for the home market is like, that would certainly be something that they, they want for the added expense of going all the way to the UK and changing up their, you know, broadcast times in North America and such that they would want a, a major subsidy for that is what I would assume that they, they would want to make that because you can take WrestleMania wherever you want. It's going to be very profitable for them. So if you're going to go out of your way to another country, much less continent, I think they want to be heavily compensated for that. So do you believe this was a campaign for something that has not been agreed upon yet? It's really hard to st- like the earliest this could be is 2025. 
we don't have a mania mm-hmm. for the year after Philadelphia, at least announced uh, uh, publicly at this point. Um, could it be? Uh, yes. It's not as though they came out and had John Cena announced that WrestleMania is coming here in 2025, which they very well could have done. Um, but I cannot fathom that this is not something that they felt confident enough um, that would, I think like this, I, I just cannot imagine that this is not something like really, really serious at this point that they felt confident enough uh, to dangle it while yeah. also uh, like healing Australia who comes out of this. Like, You're not getting a WrestleMania. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't know uh, about much of a, you know, Australian sort of England rivalry, but um, they really could have named any country, you know, it could have been a Canadian going out there. If it wasn't going to be in London, England, then th- they would have gotten booed anyway. I mean, it's 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 very interesting, and I think much of the discourse coming out of this is how much of this particular moment, this particular scene involving John Cena being the ambassador to the UK, has to do with the success of All In. I uh, think like that's the the very next logical step is that for WrestleMania to go to London, um, wouldn't Wembley Stadium be the obvious choice? And but re- regardless of venue shattering that eight and a half million dollar gate that all in currently stands at like 8.3 is what it is at and you would certainly i would say i don't think that would be the driving reason that you would do it but Mm -hmm. it is if if england is already on your radar and you're looking at the potential of getting a, a giant subsidy for going there and on top of it we can eliminate this new gate record that they have in the uk well that's that's gravy for for all of this and um reestablishes us as the dominant player in the market while AEW is going to get some tremendous coverage this summer because of this event and the lead up to it at Wembley. So even without the subsidy, you don't think that they would just go there on their own? I I can't throw it out completely, but I think that like Nick Khan has stated as such, like they want all of their premium live events to eventually be able to be subsidized to to be getting fees for all of these. And I think WrestleMania would lead the way. There are plenty of places that would probably pay for a WrestleMania, like a like think of some of these countries out there and what they are willing to pay for major concerts, major races, major sporting events. And Mm -hmm. WrestleMania is now you know, it's not the Super Bowl, but it is something of great value to a lot of these different places that if you're looking at international options, um, like in Australia, like they had that pay-per-view a few years ago, um, 2018, and and they got like money for that. I mean, I, I only suggest like like the whole subsidy portion of, of the conversation is, is one I hadn't really been thinking about um, up until this point, because I... I almost feel like because of this scene, regardless of whether or not they're getting paid to do it, this feels like as much of an announcement that we're going to have WrestleMania in London as anything else. Well, I, they, for all we know, they could have it like locked up at this point. Because again, I, I could not fathom you doing this when there's no guarantee yet that you're just dangling this out there um, mm-hmm. for for such a degree. And would a scene like this make much difference to the government? I suppose, like, well, how how would the government even gauge interest by? by well, I, again, like I'm just supposing here of the fact that you come here and you tease this, and it's like this groundswell of fans like demanding this this WrestleMania that it's it's suddenly you know look at the, look at this rabid audience going crazy and 
I mean, it's it's not like we're saying, hey, it's coming. We're we're definitely doing this. But this would be if you don't have a deal closed, this would be a hell of a persuader if you are WWE. And uh, Nick Khan was also seen in the front row uh, s- sitting there uh, during the show as well. So he was over there for this event. So um, I'm sure, you know. England is very, very big on their radar. And I think this segment, in some ways, it was the most interesting thing on the show because of what it means. And uh, we'll talk about the segment itself and the involvement of Grayson Waller. But let's dive into the show. Um, The only thing of note on the pre-show was an interview with Paul Heyman, who did one of his tearful promos where his eyes were bloodshot. And he says he has never seen Roman Reigns like this. He's known the Usos since they were four years old and the family for 40 years. And he is going to wipe them off the face of WWE and expunge the Usos from WWE history. This beating will, quote, violate the code of sports entertainment. It won't be PG. And I have to say that after this half-hour match, I don't know if it violated the code of sports entertainment, but when I heard this, I thought they were going with what we discussed on Friday of the... (laughs) destruction of jimmy uso that it was going to be this violent violent destruction of jimmy and this was not a violent match it did not uh, violate the code of sports entertainment which is not a knock but it was just seemed like this promo didn't really to me connect to the actual story of the match well act i I thought there was actually a key line in the segment um that did directly lead to that false finish when Heyman suggested that the finish of this match would be roman reigns stacking stacking the two of them which was a very key setup for that incredible false finish that we got later on it's not a point that you know they made throughout the build of the tv show but reigns tweeted it out i think um, okay, so the, clearly an idea that they just came up with, you know, relatively mm-hmm. recently and Heyman deciding to use this opportunity on this kickoff to just further cement it. I mean, these kickoff promos, they're about as like sort of they're like literally skippable. worth the two minutes because Heyman always does a promo on one of them. It's literally the only thing you need to yeah. see. And by the end of the year, I don't think any of us will remember any of them. They certainly don't get brought up ever in these sort of conversations. But I'll say I don't think Paul Heyman ever phones these in. And this was especially the case here. The man pulled out some tears for this kickoff promo that, I mean, actually ended up, you know, having a good deal of relevance to. He's spoken before when he's had to do these emotional ones, like wearing the tie that he wore to his father's funeral and like getting into the headspace for one of these interviews. So, I mean, yes, this was, um, yeah, the noteworthy portion of the kickoff. There is a Bond-style opening video to the show, and our announcers, Michael Cole and Wade Barrett, your SmackDown team. And we're kicking off with the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Logan Paul, LA Knight, Ricochet, Butch, Shinsuke Nakamura, Damian Priest, and Santos Escobar. Escobar is out in war paint and Aztec-inspired gear. Cole says that Ricochet might be the odds-on favorite, which is funny because this week he was actually the betting underdog. Um, if you were looking, and I thought that were out I thought there. LA Knight established himself as the betting favorite last night. Well, according to Cole, whatever sports book he was looking up, it was Ricochet all day. Everyone had their money on Ricochet. Some big losers on the on that book. Big reaction for LA Knight, and then a ton of heat for Logan uh, Paul as he enters and. They begin and everyone goes after Logan Paul and they would set up these spots where whenever one of the guys had like the breakaway for the ladder on their own, it would be Paul to disrupt them and play the heel. And clearly it was L.A. Knight who was the the favorite among the fans, which was evident when he hit this DDT to Butch of all people in England and they all cheered L.A. Knight. 
So Butch grabs a cricket bat, uh, cricket bat that Michael Cole fails to recognize, but Wade Barrett did. And we we got some great stunts from Ricochet, including a Topekon hero through the ladder to the floor. And then um, Logan Paul hits a frog splash to Priest on the ladder that is bridged between the ring and an upright set of steps. And this ladder didn't break and it looked painful as hell. Um, this would be a painful night for Logan Paul. That was uh, that was the, the takeaway from, from this. And this was just the first of uh, several. They're making these ladders extra strong these days. Yeah, which are great for these splashes where the guys just got to absorb another 260-pound man splashing on top of them. This is death for Priest. And probably not great for Logan either. I think Wardlow would have appreciated one of these ladders in his match. That's true. Butch then climbs the ladder, um, and he applies a choke to Escobar, and he pulls him back onto the ladder bridge. So they are down. And then from the shot, you just see Ricochet rise onto the rope with a springboard 450 onto these two onto the ladder bridge which looked nuts butch then is climbing moonsaults onto everybody ricochet and paul then springboard onto the ladders with nakamura and escobar so all four are fighting nakamura and escobar get tipped one way then knight tips ricochet and logan paul and the idea was that both were going to land on standing on the top rope and Ricochet would transition seamlessly into a one-man Spanish fly through two tables on the floor. Seems simple, right? Unfortunately, Ricochet lost his footing and he was not giving up on this spot. No matter how dangerous it seemed, he got up and got enough balance. He didn't get full balance and rotates Logan Paul as best he can. And Logan Paul comes down at this hideous looking angle where it looked like he went head first through this, these two tables on the floor. Um, miraculously, these two seem to be okay from this in particular Logan Paul, but this was his elimination from the match. But my God, this has been a frightening week of near, near misses. Well, wrestling is always dangerous, especially when you're talking about a match like this and the expectations that I think, you know, there was on people like Logan Paul and Ricochet to deliver something very memorable and highlight real worthy. Uh, the stuff does not always go go off without a hitch. Um, this was definitely scary, though, and I'm sure everybody was especially nervous because this is a guy who's still really from the outside world and a Logan Paul getting seriously injured in a professional wrestling setting is going to make headlines that are, are are at a level that you wouldn't see, you know, even if it was somebody like a Sting, for instance. So, uh, thankfully, it didn't seem like there was anything wrong, but th- the angle, at least from what we saw, looked potentially very bad. I hope Sting wasn't watching this. I hope so, no. <laughs> Either, yeah. So they're down. Priest choke slams Butch off the ladder. Then Knight dumps Priest out of the ring. Everyone is going crazy for Knight, thinking he can win it. He hits the blunt force trauma to Escobar, tosses Nakamura out one by one. He's just taking everyone out. And then as he climbs on his own, Priest returns, hitting a broken arrow, sending LA Knight off. And Damian Priest grabs the briefcase at 20 minutes and 27 seconds to become, as Cole calls him, Senor Money in the Bank. Mm, Nice. Okay. I thought this was a pretty excellent Money in the Bank match, John. You know, fantastic, consistent action throughout. Um, When we're talking about the big standouts about this match, going in, I think, you know, all eyes were really on, for me at least, Logan Paul and LA Knight. 
to a lesser extent, Damian Priest. I mean, um, I don't know why we didn't consider him more of a favorite. Maybe it's just because so much of the story going in wasn't necessarily focused on Priest and his ambitions for the Money in the Bank match. It seemed like all the discussion was either on Logan Paul or, or, or LA Knight. So really, the guy ended up becoming a bit of a dark horse. When when you see him with this briefcase, it makes all the sense in the world. You know, like he is a guy who I think you can already justify putting into a championship run. Um, I believe maybe personally that I thought he was so close that he didn't need the money in the bank. But obviously, this sort of spotlight won't hurt. And, you know, we'll just kind of build further attention on him by the time he does become champion. But I also thought Butch came out of this looking really good. You know, yes, this is Pete Dunne in his hometown or home country. I I guess I'm not exactly sure if he's from London or not. But he's been like stuffed so down the card that I just didn't think like he'd have anything special. But there were several moments where this crowd was just way behind the bruiser weight. I think everybody just kind of recognizing this is a big moment for a guy that we've seen grow up now to be in this sort of position. And he did great i thought they set up a really good moment for la night you know and i like we discussed in our preview it's the type of thing even if he doesn't win that will be should be enough to set him on course for something more in the future yeah i i thought sometimes the money in the bank ladder matches we watch them and they're so well at crafting these that we can watch them and and the danger element is somewhat subdued, even though you can do spectacular things. Th- this one had several dangerous moments in it. Like this was a pretty intense ladder match with the seven. And I I feel like everyone at different points, if you were going to isolate someone who maybe was odd man out in this, you would say Santos Escobar. Yeah. I didn't think he was uh, it, Nakamura to a degree. I don't think anyone bought him as a winner, but you know, he was in and out. It wasn't like any of them detracted from the match, but I mean, in a match like this, you're going to have your ones that people hone in on. And I would say, yeah, Butch probably um, o- overdid the um, expectation level of fans and it helped having the the crowd with him at certain points as well. But yeah, there, there were some dangerous stunts in this, but overall, I think priest is a really good choice to go with this. And in a way we have, sort of similar stories with both money in the bank winners that are at odds with their teammate mm-hmm. who is going to be jealous of their partner with the briefcase. And I think that's going to be the story with Ballard and priest. And it will be with Bailey and EO sky that we'll get to uh, very much the case. Yeah. That's a good observation. And in both cases, I, I can see baby face turns coming really for the both of them. So it'll be an interesting perhaps direction to see how they might differentiate the two storylines with uh, both having money in the bank briefcases as they seem to tend to do. One of the cash ins tends to be a bit, you know, pretty early compared to the other one. So we'll see which one it is, whether or not Damian Priest keeps this thing a long time or EO Sky um, keeps it for a long time. Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler against Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan for the women's tag titles. And Liv Morgan comes out and they compared her to Jerry Hallowell in this Union Jack outfit. And um, the closest we get to a Christian Horner reference on this show. Uh, I believe they're in Austria. And uh, that's won, right. Couldn't take uh, in money in the bank. Yeah. Won the sprint race today. So. And they did note she is back from a partially torn labrum and a partially torn rotator cuff. And then the champions are out. And do you want to explain Ronda Rousey's attire way? What was this signifying? Um, I mean, I don't know if there's that much sort of deep <laughs> explanation. She was dressed up as Majin Vegeta, John. You know, I can't believe you didn't know this. Was this um, forebode- Was this a, a 
foretelling any uh, outcome at, at this match? Was this a tip off of any sort, or are we just, uh, was this honestly, just a random tribute? I, I don't. I I mean, she's come out in Dragon Ball Z gear before. Like she's like oh, yeah, she fan. loves this stuff. So I I don't know if this was just you know her way of maybe signifying like I'm a heel now, therefore I'm going to you know put this like imagine M on my head. Um, I, I, I don't profess to be like the biggest expert in Dragon Ball Z. So if somebody is in the chat room, perhaps let me know. I just took it as more of a, I'm such a big fan of this thing and I'm going to put it on my head. Well, in this match, they attack the arm and shoulder of Liv Morgan. And then after getting out of the ankle lock, she hits what is called the Jersey code breaker. You familiar with the Jersey code breaker? Uh, I'm not. So what is this? Is the Jersey code a, a TV show? Um, no, she's from Jersey. So this code breaker is thus what Jersey code breaker. But what's the what what's the pun? Like what's 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 so clever about that? It's not. It's just they've thrown Jersey in front of the traditional name of the move. Okay. So that is it. Um, hmm. I'm sure there are some codes that get broken in Jersey, maybe in a restaurant or two. Okay. All right. Rousey applies an armbar on the turnbuckle, but is power bombed off by Raquel. And then she, there's an ankle lock armbar combo to live. And the save is made by Raquel. Liv is selling the shoulder and Baszler stops Oblivion and applies the Kirifuda clutch after Raquel gets thrown into the post. But Liv fights out of the Kirifuda clutch and Rousey then comes in and she is ready to take out Liv when all of a sudden Shayna attacks Rousey out of nowhere, putting putting Vegeta here in the Kirifuda clutch and walks out as the crowd goes wild because of the fact that they're seeing a turn that they did not see coming. And it's a Tahana bomb and oblivion. And for the second year in a row at money in the bank, Liv Morgan pins Ronda Rousey. But the bigger story is that if you put money on this, Rousey and Baszler were minus 10,000 favorites to win this. So holy a, shit, a killing was made by those that were team Raquel and Liv Morgan and is the latest example of why I do not think legalized <laughs> gambling will ever make its way to professional wrestling. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's almost horrifying. I mean, could you like I'm more horrified for the people that actually won something because that like, how would you like you become addicted at this point, you know, the gambling on professional wrestling. And I just can't, I can't imagine that. A more dangerous use of your money than than to you know put it on something like this that just I mean it's completely up up, up, up like depends on the whims of like one single person on the evening of this thing so anyway um that's this is an outcome that I don't I don't think any of us were expecting especially in the fashion that it took place in uh no signs indicating anything leading to this heel uh, this sudden turn from Shayna Baszler onto Ronda Rousey. They are relatively new in their run, it feels like almost. It doesn't feel like they've like gained that much sort of like notoriety for being tag team champions yet. Um, so I almost felt like it was really abrupt to see this end in this fashion like this. In fact, I was almost even a bit disappointed by it because I think in ring, these two have actually started to like, you know, build some really great chemistry together, doing almost like a BCC level, like sort of like technical, fast paced aggression type of style. Um, I thought the match was getting pretty good. Live selling was good and then set up like a really nice body part story for Shayna and Ronda to show off their styles with. Uh, and then all of a sudden, this team is completely over without any sort of like indication. What, what did you notice anything in the match? Was it because like Ronda tagged herself in? Like what? What? Where, where was the descent that that was teased at all? The descent will be explained on Friday, um, Monday. What show are they on? They're one. Of, they're on know. one of these shows. So, so so she goes through the whole match. You know they're working together. Everything's right, and then 
Oh, excuse me. Ronda Ray, Ray was just, he was aghast uh, at this, this stunning turn by Shayna Baszler. So here's the thing, looking at this, like the, the overall picture here. So coming out of WrestleMania, like Ronda has the arm injury and that affected her post WrestleMania. Like they had to wait for her to be able to come back and then do the tag title run. And then you have had Liv Morgan hurt as well here. And I'm just wondering if they have like this hard out that, they wanted to get to this match by SummerSlam and uh, Dave Meltzer had mentioned like this was always the plan for the two to break up. So obviously they want to get to this match at SummerSlam for a certain reason. And I'm imagine they've just been delayed from getting this team going and thus it's a bit abrupt. So hmm. what that means for like if Ronda is sticking around, not sticking around, um, it seems like SummerSlam was like their deadline to get to this match. And if it is, then this is probably the time to do the turn. But you're right. It comes so quickly and after you were teasing the idea of these two like going down to nxt and all this other stuff right. but maybe they just don't have that kind of time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well i would just even say like within storyline you had zero indication of any sort of like rift between the two honestly they didn't even have that much story to begin with you know to be able to tell any sort of rift so that by the time this came it, it, it was completely blindsiding for everybody so they're gonna have to come up with quite the explanation i think for Shayna. How do you like the idea of the, like a singles match between the two? I like it. Yeah. yeah. I think it feels like a, a good attraction. You know, anytime you have tag team partners facing each other, it's it, it, because it's Ronda Rousey, it feels SummerSlam worthy. Um, it, it, you know, I'm curious to see what a match between the two of them looks like. Kayla interviews Priest and he notes how he can cash in on either the IC or the US champion, which natural follow up would be why. Uh, or he could go for the world titles, either of them, because yes, we have two world titles. We actually have uh, four of them, don't we? Five, can't go for the NXT. So he's got lots of options. Um, then um, then I uh, I went to go grab a, a drink of water as they previewed Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Nothing like uh, paying for a movie when you know you have to come back for another part later. Are you going to see any of the Dead Reckonings? I don't think I've seen any of the Mission Impossibles, actually. What I've is it? A like, few of them. Is this like the seventh or something? Um, it's up there. Yeah, seventh Part 1? Um, I don't I don't know if they've all been named part one. I don't think they have. OK, but it's Tom Cruise. How is he going to follow up Top Gun? They've got a lot riding on him here. Let's see. Saving the movie theater in the industry. Gunther and Matt Riddle for the Intercontinental title. Um, this to me was like a raw match. It was um, not a big Gunther pay-per-view match, in my opinion. Gunther just took over with giant chops, hit him with a power bomb, was uh, attacking with a single leg crab. And then he comes off the top and Riddle catches him with a triangle. But Gunther escapes. And my favorite part of the match, Riddle's working with the injured ankle. So Gunther chops the injured ankle. Mm -hmm. This made the match worthwhile for me. And then he tapped out to an ankle lock in seven minutes and 48 seconds. And what this was, was getting us set up for Gunther's real program, which is not Riddle. Instead, Drew McIntyre returns. The crowd sings for him. It's his first appearance since WrestleMania. And he pie faces uh, Drew, who responds with the Glasgow kiss and a Claymore before grabbing the Intercontinental title. And it seems that uh, we have yet another program in motion as Drew McIntyre is back and is on the Raw brand as of the draft. And obviously, paired with Gunther, that would be the case. Mm. It's an attractive SummerSlam match for the both of them. You know, for Gunther, I'm one of the biggest challengers he's ever had for this IC level championship. And I mean, they've teased really Sheamus and Gunther all the way back to that Survivor Series with NXT, if you remember, where they had that wonderful interaction. And I might have even been like Drew that might have eliminated um, Gunther, if, if I'm 
uh, remembering correctly. But anyway, obviously they had the WrestleMania match together. So they've been really kind of flirting with this idea of Gunther versus um, Drew for a long, long time. And SummerSlam feels like a great time to be able to peak it. Um, I mean, this was a match that I I think we all knew the the sort of result, you know, going into it. What were the odds for this one? Do you know? Uh, I can look at it. It was. I don't think it was. Uh, Gunther was minus two thousand. So I mean, not minus ten thousand like Rousey and Baszler were, but still That's a crazy sizable favorite. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this would like he would have been. Well, who knows? You know, I don't even want to talk about the, this. It's just it's so hard to even measure but um this was to me like the type of match that you would put on the show just to almost guarantee like a hard-hitting you know quote-unquote banger as they like to call them you know um and i felt like they delivered that you know you had riddle here who is great at wrestling against bigger opponents in this very aggressive hard-hitting style and i would almost suggest pivoting riddle over to more of that type of wrestler you know so that he could pair off and, and have these types of matches with wrestlers like Sheamus rather than doing a lot of this sort of you know surfer dude stuff but um it was also you know done to set up a, a really great reception for Drew McIntyre as well yeah I I do feel with, with the return of Drew like one of these baby faces on Raw I think needs to turn whether it's a Riddle whether it's a Drew like mm-hmm. when you have Owens and Zayn who are regulars on the show you've got Cody you've got um you know you've got you've got a handful even like smaller guys like nakamura and ricochet it's like it it is open for somebody to turn to it's gotta be it's gotta be drew like because i don't know how riddle how good riddle would be as a heel you know drew whereas i think drew is has already shown that he could be a fantastic heel and maybe it comes after the the gunther loss who would uh fans be tougher on as a heel riddle or jungle boy Mm. probably jungle boy I think Riddle, it'd be tough. Have a well, we we will see what happens. Riddle just sort of felt like just the opponent of the month and mm-hmm. backdrop for Drew's return. Dominic Mysterio and Cody Rhodes. Uh, we have Rhea Ripley in the corner, so it was he was not out all on his own, as Cody had alluded to. And Dom tries to leave, and Cody brings him back in. Ripley got involved, yanking Cody off the apron and setting up a suicide dive. As Dom then runs him into the post, brief heat for Dominic. The crowd is single so- for. Cody. So there's a big moment here in the camera. Unfortunately, kind of missed it where Cody came in with the cast and then proceeded to take it off, which led to Dom looking scared. So they they inform us after the fact that Cody's arm has been fully healed. So he no longer needs the bionic cast. You mean working a full house show schedule? He's he's fine. Well, it's quite the cast, John. You know, I guess so. I guess it's got like healing properties inside of it as well. Oh, so sure. when he sleeps, it's working on his tendon strength. And I don't know why he would get rid of it. It cer- certainly didn't bother him throughout his matches. He's man, he was using it as a weapon. So. Has he lost since uh since the Brock match? No, he's done great. Sure. Who needs a wrist? Who needs an arm? He's doing fine. Break it again. Why not? Yeah. So the crowd is singing for Cody. Dom tries to hit the three amigos, which Cole informs us this is not a tribute to Eddie. This is a mockery of Eddie. And then Cody stops the final one. He also stops a 619, spins Dom around before hitting an Alabama slam. And then it's a Cody cutter and the crossroads for a really clean pin in eight minutes and 10 seconds. I think the crowd deserves a round of applause for this mm-hmm. one because you put this in front of a different crowd. Um, this to me was, yeah, this was not like a big Cody match to me. I felt as it was just um, under underwhelming to me just i was not expecting like some matt classic here but mm. i was expecting just like super heat and it just kind of felt like 
a quick win for Cody. Like we were discussing the idea of like Dominic getting this heat by uh, skirting away with a win. If you had Brock involved and, you know, watching this, it was just Dominic was just your disposable heel of the month to keep Cody busy and distract people from him being not in money in the bank. It felt like, you know, a month long detour for Cody in the midst of this Brock program. And uh, the results seem to suggest that this is not going to be continuing. I, I thought it was fun because of the, of the crowd. But yeah, like the in-ring content itself, I thought was good, but not that imaginative or special to, you know, like, and, and that's sort of the standard where we're at. You can't just have a good wrestling match. you got to come up with something extra creative and memorable for audiences to be talking about your match afterwards um this kind of felt like exactly what you would expect you know when looking at these two on paper a lot of Rhea Ripley distraction good wrestling from Dom and Cody but again nothing to really kind of take it to the next level yeah and and nothing teasing the Brock direction but you would think like that he's not making the flight (laughs) not unless it's that Saudi Arabia money so no no Brock on the show but I mean the challenge was out there and you would think you shoot that angle in the next like whether it be Monday or next week sometime in the near future you're right. You could put Cody on SmackDown on Friday and set it up that way and have a Brock appearance. So I, I would think, you know, w- within a week to eight, nine days, we'll have that set up and probably all the key matches for SummerSlam. Um, just by pure chance um, this week, 2K23 is 33% off. So great time to go pick up a game if you're looking for one that got uh, critically critical acclaim when it came out. So that's great. I'm looking for a new oh, wrestling wow. game this week, right? Um. I guess if you could only buy one. Our competition is sleep, as as they tell us all the time. That's that's our competition is everything. John Cena comes out and this audience all lost their mind collectively. I mean, he comes comes out. I mean, this is I mean, this is what Jacob Toretto here, man. This is oh, royalty. Straight off of that final scene. Um I won't spoil the movie, but um did you watch it yet? Have you seen it? Fast ten? Yeah. Yeah, he's not in the final scene. Uh, oh, I meant I meant his final scene. <laughs> oh, his final scene. Yes. Yeah. yeah well, he was final. great in Fast Ten. Everybody, you have watched enough of these movies to know that that's not a declarative statement that this was right. his final scene. I think there's still life in Jacob. Okay. Yes. But what a lovely surprise, you know, especially for a crowd overseas that probably I don't know if any of them would have expected to be able to see John Cena in any sort of wrestling capacity prior to tonight. You know, because he's a guy who makes sporadic appearances anyway, and when he does unlikely going overseas you know unless it's maybe a saudi arabia in the future but this was a wonderful surprise for this crowd well he comes out and everyone's just wondering what, what's he here for and uh, they're just going crazy they're singing his theme and he mentions how long it's been since they've had a premium live event here but the reason it's been so long is because of the decision makers boo i was waiting for a cut to nick Khan to just like wave and say <laughs> It's uh, it's your your rate of return. Ari Emanuel. Uh, oh, imagine Ari Emanuel. Do I heard this fascinating interview with Ari Emanuel recently? If you go listen to Freakonomics, he was on a few weeks ago. I finally listened to it this week, and it was uh, it was something. He's not sure how to feel about London, uh, or the, the decision makers are not sure to feel about London. They think it's a hostile environment, it's a distraction, and the fans take over the show, which is hilarious because we're now at a time where the audience has never been more on board with the the on screen characters and stories that they're pushing. But let's let's tempt fate. And Cena says, "You are the voice and the heartbeat. You don't take over the show; you are the show." 
this is going to be in so many video packages. These sound bites yeah. and so much. All the PSAs. Cena says he wants the world to know you are underappreciated. And for my 20 years of wrestling, you have earned my respect. So I'm going to try and bring WrestleMania to London. And they're like, yes, John. Thank you. You're going to bring it here. I mean, he says... Let the people know what it will sound like when WrestleMania comes here. And of course, they lose their mind. I was just waiting for him to say, now you guys are second in line because after a bit of a snafu, I owe Taiwan a WrestleMania first. <laughs> Probably not happening. No. <laughs> Grayson Waller interrupts John and he comes out and he says how much of a fan he is of John, loves the jorts. Loves his movies, tears up over his performance in Scooby-Doo and says, WrestleMania should go overseas, but it should be somewhere beautiful like Australia. Boo! That part of the world sucks. And he brings up all of John's losses recently to Austin Theory, Roman Reigns, and Way's favorite, The Fiend, where Grayson notes, I love how meta that was. (laughs) Uh, I love that it's actually considered a match. Yes, this was a loss. This goes down on cage match as a Mm -hmm. loss to him Mm -hmm. via video production. (laughs) And these people, uh, this was a very true statement. These fans, they only remember the last thing they saw. All you need is one viral moment and I can help save your career. By hosting the biggest Grayson Waller effect of all time at WrestleMania in Australia (laughs) in a couple of years. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And Cena has him repeat this. He takes a pass and this ends with an AA to Grayson Waller. So uh, beyond like the very interesting um, live event politics of uh, this segment and what it really means for a a London WrestleMania and how far along this is, if not already uh, semi-set in stone, uh, I do think another part of this was uh, Grayson Waller, first of all, being tapped for this segment, it tells me um, they are very high on this guy. And I thought Grace Waller was terrific in this segment. He was fantastic. Like I mean, this was his best main roster appearance. And far. for most, um, this is probably the best they've seen of Grayson Waller, um, period. He could have come out and he could have like, you know, done a cartwheel or a shoey. And it would have already been better than any of his SmackDown appearances thus far. They've clearly, you know, put some investment into this guy by giving him a segment pretty much weekly on SmackDown since it's call up. But none of them have made him seem interesting at all. He really has just kind of been like a bit of a glorified mic stand in a lot, a lot of these segments. This was finally a moment where you got to see Grayson Waller be Grayson Waller and to show off his incredible charisma. Um this kid looked like he belonged on this stage for years next to John Cena. And you have directly here a comparison between how Grayson Waller did with John Cena and how Austin Theory did with John Cena. And of course, it helps that Cena didn't completely cut Waller down like he did Theory. Um, but I would say just based off of their performances alone, Waller did so much more in this time than Theory did. He looked so confident. His delivery was so smooth. The cockiness was there. I have to think he was nervous about this, but again, you wouldn't have been able to tell by looking at his performance here. He was, I, I thought he was tremendous in the segment. Like he, mm-hmm. he was, um, you know, you know, he revealed the fact that in that Carmelo Hayes match back in April at the spring break-in special, breaking his leg, which as we had noted when we talked about that show, like it, it seemed evident, like something was up with that finish and, you know, revealing he's, he's at a, he broke his fibula um, in that. So, I mean, he has been limited physically for the last two months and, you would think the fact that um, 
you know, hopefully he's he's ready to come back shortly. And it seems like they are going to get him going pretty significantly once he's all healed up and cleared to go. So this was a great, great segment for Grayson Waller. And um, maybe we will look back on this and either state. um, This clearly meant that they were planning London for mania or um, if somehow it doesn't, I feel this, this London crowd will have a long memory and reference this segment uh, for years to come. They just, I just, I just don't know if they've ever teased the crowd this hard with, you know, bringing a WrestleMania to their city and then not follow, follow through with it. But. Not in such a public way. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you, you'd see it like house shows or something like maybe we'll bring a WrestleMania here and it's an easy. Yeah. Cheap pop. But this was on the pay-per-view with one of your, you know, um, figureheads in John Cena. They, they would have flown Cena just to do this. Don't you think? I don't know if he was filming anything um, and just conveniently mm-hmm. was was here. He is doing a movie, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, it worked out and he and he got here. So, I mean, and, and London benefited and Grayson Waller especially benefited from it. So maybe that's the match that they'll do. Well, and as well, I mean, like seeing the success of this Wembley Stadium show for AEW, like if Mm -hmm. they can put in 65,000, like if you have any concern about people traveling to the show, which I wouldn't to begin with, but Mm -hmm. I mean, this is just kind of proof of concept here of what AEW is doing. And this show, I'm sure it's going to do very well on Peacock that I don't think the time zone difference is any kind of factor Mm -hmm. like it used to be. And that was the real reason I think that it prevented them from doing these watching F1 has told me that like regular times don't matter at all. There's something to be learned there. When you have a product people want to see, and this is like 7 a.m. time trials and races uh, going on. And that's the price you pay when you're trying to create an international product. And maybe, you know, the, the, the trade-off is that this is now suddenly something that's a bit more palatable and easy, easier, easier to access for somebody living in a UK time zone. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's a, a wonderful segment, I thought, for, for everybody involved. And, yeah, probably the most interesting thing coming out of the show. Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Bailey, Io Sky, Trish Stratus, Becky Lynch, Zoe Stark, and Zelina Vega. Um, so, early on, Bailey and Sky tipped the ladder with Stark and Trish on it. And this looked to be the spot where Trish came down and the ladder hit her. And later they did a close-up and her nose was, like, all busted up. Um, wow. And it looked like... It, it looked like like a cut and a bruise uh hopefully not like a break or anything but i imagine this was the spot where she uh kind of banged her face into it but dude trish at one point she does this incredible head scissors to bailey balancing her weight by using the ladder rung i mean like her athleticism is remarkable for someone oh, that yeah. is 47 uh oh, and doing this and is hanging with these women and i think like it's like rather remarkable. Like here she is doing a ladder match at 47. It really is incredible. You don't, I don't know if I often think about her age just because she looks exactly the same as she did like when during her last one, but yeah, like we, we don't probably don't talk about her enough. Um, Yeah. Sky hits a moonsault onto everyone. Crowd is chanting for her. And then Trish and Becky have to work together to stop Vega. And there's a stratisfaction to Bailey on the ladder bridge. And then Becky is rammed into the post and Stark brings out handcuffs. And she puts the handcuff onto Becky, but can't get it around the turnbuckle. So Becky has to continue the match wearing a handcuff. Stark then is placed on the ladder bridge and Becky and Trish fight onto a desk. And Trish takes a manhandle slam onto the ladder. Uh, So this would be the end of uh, Trish's night in the match. 
and Stark hits a blockbuster. You think Becky is out, but she would have one more comeback. So Vega and Stark are on the ladder, and Vega, out of nowhere, pulls out a chancla and starts attacking Stark with a chancla. And then there's a code read by Zelina Vega to Zoe Stark onto the ladder bridge, and we get Wade Barrett dropping the amazing red reference. I was waiting for Cole to uh, try and one-up him with the indie reference, but we did not. Sky is alone in the ring and she's climbing. Everyone thinks she's winning it. Bailey tips it and they are furious at this. It was a really good spot. Bailey climbs. Becky returns and Becky fish hooks Bailey with the handcuff to stop her from climbing. And as they are on opposite sides of the ladder, EO handcuffs the two together. So they are caught on the ladder and EO climbs over top of Bailey to secure the briefcase at 18 minutes and four seconds. A really, really clever ending to this. And I I really enjoyed like the Bailey EO stuff that I think is going to be um, like fast track to get to something with those two. Whereas Balor and Priest feels more like a slow burn uh, type of thing. But um, overall, I thought this match was laid out really well. I think the men's match was the more exciting match overall. But I thought this one had its moments as well that they, I I think you also had less, um, it, it seemed like EO was the big favorite. And then it was sort of split among the others of who was going to win this thing. But um, you got the big baby face win here with EO sky and the crowd went nuts for her. It was a gigantic, but one of the biggest on the show was EO's uh, win. I think EO was maybe like the, the crowd favorite, but watching the show and just judging by the storyline alone, they kind of understated her chances. They never really kind of, you know, put that focus on her. The way they didn't read they, the odds. Uh, no, the not, at least not in the way that, you know, uh, Becky, you know, had had segments um, or and who else grabbed the briefcase here? Zelina grabbed the briefcase, you know, so clearly um, she probably shouldn't have done that because uh, she had no chance of winning here. But for me, what I will always remember about this match is this incredible finish. I love this finish. I think it's one of the more clever finishes that they've ever come up with for money in the bank, a, a, a match type that at this point is what, 20 years old? Almost twenty years old, almost with two two instances of the, these matches, like almost on every single pay per view. And uh, at this point, it's hard for me to think that they'd be able to come up with something unique. Not just even about Money in the Bank, but ladder matches. Period. And this spot was done so incredibly well. What a setup from Becky getting cuffed by Zoe Stark and Trish, a completely unrelated feud. But then ha- having the the handcuffs the rest of the way and Bailey costing EO the opportunity to justify EO doing this to the both of them. And then down to this perfect visual presentation of EO locking their hands perfectly framed within this ladder so that they're stuck on the ladder. I just I thought it was genius. And whoever came up with it, who uh, if there are several people with, uh, involved, I mean, Jesus, like credit to them. Reach this out way so at postwrestling.com. Take yeah. credit for your finish you booked. Yeah, I'll give you a shout out on a pro wrestling podcast. Um, they did a great job furthering all the necessary feuds. Io and Bailey, uh, even Zelina, I thought came out with something. She got to me the the big spot of the match with you know the the code right off the ladder, which got a huge reaction. Everyone I thought gained something here. And- Zelina Vega and Amazing Red at SummerSlam teaming up. Is he still wrestling? No, cool. but he uh, come know, out the right retirement. the right call. Everyone everyone's retirement is negotiable. Maybe he'll join the LW. Or maybe Zelina Vega will go do a House of Glory show. That's probably not happening. No. Okay. Um, yeah, it was it was a good match. I, I, I thought it was uh, one of the more um, entertaining matches of the show. I thought both ladder matches were entertaining in different ways as well. And 
yeah, I Io Sky getting her into the women's title mix. I think like either title mix on Raw or SmackDown, I think it needs like some fresh blood like an EO Sky. It will really rejuvenate things with EO with Charlotte, EO with Asuka, EO with um Bianca Belair. Um you figure yeah. she's going to be uh remind me, she's on SmackDown, correct? She's on is she on Raw? Damage control? I don't know, man. Literally. I don't think it matters in her her case anyway, because she's got the briefcase. She can go for other one, right? Um, but I mean, depending on whether or not they're keeping Rhea for Becky um, for Mania, you know, are we going to see a long Rhea reign? Maybe it's more likely that I could see her faced off with Oscar, or maybe a rematch with Bel Air. But um, there are a lot of opportunities, and and more. You don't more think see her going after Tiffany Stratton? Um, probably not. Okay. Balor. Uh... Finn Balor and Seth Rollins followed. Uh, this was second from the top for the World Heavyweight Championship. And Rollins has his ribs taped, and they cite another attack by Finn Balor at one of the live events in Newcastle. So the whole match is built around the injured ribs of Seth Rollins. And I thought this was uh, outside of one spot that I had qualms with. The whole match was built around the rib injury, which when they did the attack, the next night when he's working against Braun Breaker, like, yes, they're acknowledging it. But it's Seth doing his Seth Rollins match. And mm-hmm. it's been one criticism I have had of Seth is that no matter what injury he sells, he does his match. And he is not cutting out any of his spots, no matter if he's selling the knee. And in this case, the ribs. So Balor is stomping away, kicking at the knee at, at the ribs, hitting it with uh, with like knees. And then we get the one count kickout by Seth Rollins. So the one count kickout. Everyone is just uh, that's the new in vogue thing at least this week. Balor is uh, yelling at him in defiance, goes back to the ribs, and Rollins manages a buckle bomb that they make the call back to SummerSlam of 2016. And so Seth, gasping for breath, selling the knees, uh, the ribs, climbs up to the top for a huge frog splash and lands on the knees (laughs) of Balor. You know how much sympathy I had for this baby face as the knees got up? Absolutely none. Well, listen, he... No pain, no gain, okay? He sacrificed his his um, injury in order to do more damage to his opponent. Well, if if it's all pain, you must explain. Okay, that's my motto, okay? <laughs> I need to know why were you going for this frog splash with your broken ribs that I've been watching and invested in here for the last eight minutes. So he mi- misses the frog splash, and then it is Balor going for the coup de grace that misses. Rollins misses with a stomp, but he hits the pedigree. It's a delayed cover, and Priest comes down with the briefcase. And this was a nice little tease of what is Damian Priest here for. And Rollins eyes him. The crowd is chanting, cash it in, and it distracts Rollins as Balor hits the shotgun on the floor and a coup de grace off the desk. Another coup de grace running off the steps, and he rolls Rollins in, hits the shotgun dropkick, and Balor climbs up. But before he can hit one final coup de grace, he eyes Damian priest and it momentarily distracts balor and leads to him missing the coup de grace and allows rollins to hit the stomp and pin him in 12 minutes and 31 seconds so rollins retains and balor and priest proceed to argue on the floor after the match and i wouldn't say i went in and was thinking like this is going to be their attempt to go out and do like the the big match stealer on the show i wouldn't say this was that but i did think the storytelling was very good save for the frog splash in this match and with the damian priest stuff that i enjoyed it and i wasn't too upset over the fact that it was a shorter match than your 
trained sure. to expect. It was 12 and a half minutes, which for a Rollins pay-per-view match for the world title, um, you would That's think is on the long. shorter side. But yeah, this was thought- a long enough show. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I thought it was a good match. Both guys are so incredibly athletic and fluid that I don't think they can ever have a bad match. The in-ring action was great with, you know, Balor targeting uh, uh, Seth's ribs and selling, you know, from Seth. I thought it was, like, maybe inconsistent based on the moveset, but it's kind, of, it's kind of what I've come to expect with a Seth Rollins-style match at this point, so it didn't really bother me. Um, but I did come out of this match feeling like this. it was rather forgettable, and maybe on a card... Like that was this stacked with two money in the bank matches as well as the bloodline civil war match. Maybe this was always only going to achieve so much, but I also feel like this deep into the show, I kind of maybe needed a little bit more extra again to, to make me remember this one and and to have it standard a bit more. So I I, I'll say I I didn't think it was all that dramatic or interesting before priest came out here with the gimmick. And, And that to me was probably the most, engaging aspect of it was what priest was going to do what exactly was he expecting to to do though like was he just here to taunt finn or sorry to taunt uh, rollins was he looking to actually cash in i think that's that's the the question that you come out of this like what was priest's intentions here was it simply to um you know that rollins is injured and he's ready to pounce if if rollins so is... why didn't he pounce after rollins won because he, he won. Stopped. He wasn't in a compromised position. But if he lost, then he wouldn't have been able to cash in. Well, he was thinking maybe maybe this guy would be unable to continue with his rib injury. I don't know. I'm not writing his promo for him. He's got to explain that. Okay. Not giving yeah. away free uh, free uh, logic. Uh, we, we also had the watch parties on this. Uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, and New York watching Money in the Bank. Yeah. All we had right. some uh, Bud Light uh, ads throughout the show as well, so... Hopefully they made millions of dollars on this show. Kayla speaks with Seth Rollins or not with, not with Seth with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in a private box. And they were here tonight to announce that tonight Roman Reigns is going to get what is coming to him. Mm-hmm. He did, I guess they did. This was yeah. very necessary for the show. <laughs> I mean, I think it's nice to have a presence with, you know, two of your biggest stars on the show. Um, as a part of this, especially two guys that have, you know, their, their deep connections to the bloodline themselves. Um, I, maybe, maybe there's something in them wanting to, you know, extend the runtime of this particular event or um, uh, I don't know, let people, let the audience come down before the main event, because, you know, you got to get come back down up. for that, that interview in the private box. Well, yeah. that was their presence. Uh, they did confirm Rhea Ripley and Natalia for the women's world championship on Raw. So Natalia has earned a title shot. Right. Her and sure. Sheamus having great weeks this week. Yeah. Lose five matches in a row, complain about your, your place in life, and then get a title shot. Why not? That's, that's the key. And then the Bloodline Civil War is our main event with Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa against the Usos. Roman Reigns entrance, four and a half minutes. Okay. It, 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 it's to me always a glorious four and a half minutes because like if I'm watching this on a delay, I get to catch right up. I get to go downstairs, eat some pizza. It's the best. Nick Khan was not missing this match. He was there in the front row. I don't know if he was participating in the fuck you Roman and tribal wanker <laughs> chants that uh, uh, went through the O2 arena at the beginning. Sokoa starts, then Reigns wants in, and Sokoa stares a hole in him before finally tagging. And the crowd gets behind Jay before they lock up. I'm just going to state that this match, I'm sure it's going to be memorable. 
it's going to be memorable for the last five minutes. I mm-hmm. don't know if it's going to be memorable for the first 25. <laughs> this, I don't think so either. This was like, if you watch this on mute again, all, all praise to this crowd that they were into this, but I was watching the first like 25 minutes and dude, this was the slowest yeah. plotting match that I was just struggling through struggling mm-hmm. through. It was like they were doing so little. Um, so the crowd is chanting and keeping this thing alive. Reigns is telling Heyman how England is full of idiots. And then we have the heat on Jimmy for a long time. Sokoa would yank Jay off to prevent the tag. And then when Jay is finally tagged, he hits a hip attack onto Sokoa. And then they dive onto Reigns and to Sokoa. And the Usos hit a double spear to Roman. And Sokoa makes the state the save, and the announcers are trying to state that had it not been for Sokoa, Reigns would have been pinned there. And Cole is reminding you that it was December of 2019, the last time Roman was beat. And then Michael Cole in his line of the night, 18,885 have been loud and obnoxious all night long. And he said it in such a normal way that it felt as though he doesn't truly know the the offensive nature of the word obnoxious uh, as he was like this crowd they're so great they're being so obnoxious <laughs> this is how dull i was uh, <laughs> at, the, at this part of the match so things would pick up jimmy eventually leaped into a guillotine and he fights his way to his feet and gets free of the guillotine and then the guillotine is reapplied and reigns runs them into the referee dan engler who spills to the floor and he's out but the guillotine is broken, so they super kick and hit the 1D to Roman. Jay goes for the cover, and the audience is counting, but there's no referee. So Reigns and Sokoa come back with double urinagis, a Samoan spike to Jimmy, and then a spear-Samoan spike combo onto Jay. So you think both are dead, and Sokoa stacks the two on top of each other. Roman goes for the cover, and when the Usos kick out, this place exploded. And from this point onward, they had this crowd, and this was where the match had your undivided attention. Sokoa misses a splash to Jimmy on the floor and crashes through the desk. Then Jay and Reigns are trading, and there is a spear to Jay. He kicks out, but in kicking out, his arm is between the legs of Roman, and he low blows Roman, which is a great callback to all of those Roman spots where it was the other way around. So the whole crowd is chanting, Uso, and they hit super kicks to Reigns. Jay climbs up and hits the Uso splash. And as Cole yells, do you believe in miracles? Jay pins Roman Reigns in 32 minutes and five seconds. And Reigns is just seething on the floor afterward as the Usos celebrate in the ring. And Jay Uso gets the big pin on Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. They did it. They had Jay Uso pin Roman Reigns. Fantastic conclusion to the match. I completely agree that the early goings on were very slow. Almost even I, I, I cannot. Matches. Yeah, to me, it was but, like too much that I, I cannot give this uh, this match like some overwhelming praise because it was it was a great booked final five minutes with a great finish. It yeah. sets up your SummerSlam main event. It accomplished a lot, but for me, like it was just so bare bones for. 75 to 80% of the match. I'm guessing they laid out that the match that way, maybe because they figured the crowd would be doing much of the heavy lifting for them. Um, they did. I mean, was, they thought, right, this crowd, like they were was, not sitting on their hands. 
but it was not enough, especially when you're watching on TV at the end of, you know, th- this three and a half hour show. I am a big fan of this sort of like bloodline style of, of, of you know, in ring theater type of storytelling. I didn't think tonight was a great example of it other than the last five minutes. So, you know, throw, throwing that aside, I thought they did a great job with that, that stacking false finish. Again, going back to the Heyman tease early on, Roman on Twitter, and then you have the combination of the spear and the spike. And they've done such a great job of protecting the spike. Even talking about the, the Ridge Holland match um, yesterday, yep. you know, all focused around his injury from the Samoan spike. That that coupled with spear, coupled with the stacking, coupled with Paul Heyman on the kickoff, giving you, you know, not a prediction, but a spoiler really, really had, I would say, most people biting in that as the actual finish. And when both Usos happened to kick out of it, I thought that was not number one, just like a wonderful moment. It was a wonderful callback, perhaps, you know, to just all the times that the stacking stacking um, uh, finish actually worked out for them. Um I also love some of the storytelling that they did after the kickout where you had Solo really starting to doubt whether or not Roman is actually fit for the role. I mean, coming off of that stacking kickout was when Roman looked, I think, about as lost as you've ever seen him um, in this Tribal Chief run. And instead, you, I think, just through like, like their acting, had Solo start to question whether or not he should be following this guy and he started to lead he started to grab the ball and he started to to take to 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 lead roman for a period so i thought that there was some wonderful building non-verbally just between the two of them through that um and then you had that wonderful call back to the low blow and then just again another very cathartic finish with jay uso finally getting that pinfall over Roman Reigns, the guy that this whole thing started off with, finally getting that pinfall. Not the pinfall, but still, breaking that winning streak from Roman is, in some ways, certainly more more triumphant than, you know, most other singles championship wins that are available in this company. They no longer have to cite Baron Corbin as the last person to beat this. That has no value attached to it at all. And now Jay, he's got that uh, attached to him. I thought Solo Sokoa, like especially for a guy that does pretty much no talking and you sense that you are getting so much depth to who this guy is through just reactions and how he responds. Like he is coming into his own and it has been just, this guy's been on the main roster for 10 months. I think he's been the best call up like that, that, I mean, would you consider him a a performance center guy, you know? Like, yes. I don't know how much ind- independent wrestling experience he might have had prior, but like, I don't think it was anything all that notable. Like he, to me, feels like a homegrown WWE talent and one that I, I, I feel is, is might be at least, you know, the 2.0 era that their best creation. I, I think of the 2.0 era, a hundred percent. He would be, I'm looking up here. Like he did, he was on independence, you know, for a few years, but I mean, you're talking about not a crazy amount of matches before he got to NXT. Like we're talking like probably 20 matches that he had from 2018 until 2020. Like he was yeah. getting into, yeah, like so, so under he's, 25. He's coming here as a rookie and they're not, he was never booked as a rookie in this stable. He's the powerhouse of the stable. Last night they teased that he could possibly be the leader of the stable and these audiences were buying it. So he's completely excelled in this role. So there you have it. Um, you know, again, um, 
like I, I thought the last five minutes of this were like terrific, like mm-hmm. all the little things they did and led to the finish and set up. Like, I, I thought that was tremendous. But if I'm grading this as a whole, like th- this match, it, it did drag a lot for me up until the, like the, the final, like 20, 25 percent of it. Yeah. Uh, overall, where would you uh, thumbs up show thumbs in the middle? Where thumbs you- up show, John. You know, it's I don't know if I like I don't know when the last time I would have even given a thumbs in the middle show for a WWE event might have been like rumble last year or something but there wrestling is really good right now what a week we've had in professional wrestling you know these past seven days has really just been remarkable and uh there's more to come in just 10 minutes with the collision here but um there's 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 these ple's from the wwe they almost always deliver especially when you have a combination of great in-ring action and also great storytelling yes the main event was a little bit slow for the first 20 minutes but by the end of it they got where they needed to go and there are a lot of wonderful like intriguing big matchups that are already being set up for SummerSlam. Roman versus Jey Uso principally, you know, they that this this feud feels that much hotter coming off of tonight's result. Um, what else we got? Uh, Gunther Ron, and Drew, Ronda Cody Shana, and Brock, Rousey and Baszler. I mean, we have a pretty good sense of the card, I would say, going in, un- unless they earmark like a Gunther and Drew for, uh, for for Raw, which sometimes they do take one of those title matches and place it there. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have anything right now for Owens and Zayn, but I, I would think they they will set them up with you know, somebody for for that show as well but at least you know those those, those are four key matches right there that, that mm-hmm. you have as well and, and you need an opponent for rollins and talking like you, you know you suggested roman beating down jimmy as as a way to first of all kind of write him off from not not being present i think you could still do that you still do that on tv you have like that could weeks. be friday that could be the big angle at msg to kind of because i think that match does help to have jay fighting for something versus mm-hmm. just having the pinfall like jimmy being taken out i think that adds something to the match and let's jay cut a really impassioned speech going into like you took my brother away and and sets up a, a big spot for jimmy to come back in the match itself you you yeah lots of different ways but if they did that angle on friday i, I would not be surprised i think that would be a a good and, way to go for did you say time. cody and brock did you say that yeah, yeah, Cody and Brock. So that would be maybe with some kind of stipulation attached to it or, or something like that should be yeah one of the big matches too. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your law makers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill all right we will uh flip it over to you if you want to call in you are welcome to do so jump into the Streamyard room and we will also take your feedback from the forum we have several super chats from a lot of you guys internationally because of the special time zone and we first go to ani b who sends 200 i wish i knew i think i i think i know what this is uh so let me let me just quickly look this up uh, okay. I'm not, I, Ani, I'm not really, really sure what sort of currency this is, but he sends 200 of it. So we thank you very much. He says that kickout surpassed Kenny's from last week, but I, I now feel like Jay's had his moment. He doesn't need to win the belt from Reigns. Does this mean Cody beating Reigns is out of the question? Uh, first of all, I wanted to get your thoughts. Like, did you, which kickout did you find more, maybe bigger to you, the Kenny one or tonight's? Uh, the one count kickout last Sunday. I thought that was just. Unreal. Now we are biased because you're talking to two people that you know were actually present in the in the arena, but I tend to agree. Like the kick out out of the well, which, which the, the answer is whichever one you preferred. That's the answer. There's no 
yeah. calculus. Of There's no wrong answer. To share your preference. Mm-hmm. Um, does this mean Cody beating Reigns is out of the question? No, I think that this is a way to like, I, I don't, I, I don't think it's going to be a struggle for fans to talk themselves into like a viable way for Jay to win this. I think if you have a compelling story, you can make a challenger viable. I think to a degree they did that with Balor on this show. And I think they will certainly have that with Jay next month, but I, I still feel Cody is the, the, the long-term person uh, to do this unless Unless Jay catches such fire that you you question that next month, but that would certainly seem to be deviating from from plans. Thank you very much, Ani, for the super chat. We go up next to Richard Young, who sends four ninety nine pounds in the UK. He says in the press conference, Triple H just said that there are lots of factors that make bring Mania to the UK hard. What do you think are the biggest time zones or money? I, I don't think any of them are big obstacles anymore i think that the time zone issue like yeah in the pay-per-view era there was an argument to that that like would would you have enough people that would buy an afternoon pay-per-view or and you know not running it like um ufc did in 2016 where you did a pay-per-view for the north american time zone and your audience was there overnight to watch fights i don't think they want to be doing that either so i think certainly whenever you're talking about going to a foreign country it comes with logistics and it's it's tough when you can make just as much staying in the u.s for a show versus going to another country but that also comes with with benefits too and they found them and if you can get a giant amount from a country or a municipality to bring your show there Uh, That alleviates a lot of those problems, but I don't buy that the time zone issue is what it was before for a streaming product. And we we have seen with WWE, like they have not suffered from doing shows in different time zones. And I don't think All In is going to suffer when it does an afternoon show in August for for North America. Do you think they do two nights? WWE? Yeah. Yes, I do. I I think WrestleMania is going to be two nights for the foreseeable future. Uh, now, do you think that would affect attendance figures? Like, can they pack in over 65, 66, 70 per night? For WrestleMania, I, I think in, they will. In yeah. Wembley. Yeah. I wow. think England will be red hot for a WrestleMania coming there. And all the all the different countries you're going to get. That would be the quite the total figure that they'd be able to boast about afterwards. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be... That, that would not be... Uh, I'm sure they would not feel bad about the fact that they would be able to boast two consecutive sellouts mm. at, at a Wembley or similar sized venue. Mm. Uh, up next, we got a Fahad Alarbi who sends 39.99 Saudi Rial. I had to look this one up too. I, th- this is our first super chat from Saudi Arabia. So thank you so much, Fahad, for listening. Second PLE in a row at my convenient time. I never thought we'd have three shows without the main championship de- being defended, yet not missing them at all. No, I don't think so at all. I would say that this tag match tonight was as hot as like you didn't have any contenders ready for this. It was too early to do Jimmy or Jay on this show and you don't have any other challenges ready. This was the hot match to do. And granted, it's not for the tag titles, but we talk about where the tag division is and the fact that this was a tag match that people were really interested in. And it it was the big attraction on this show. So I, I agree with Fahad. I mean, when it comes to, you know, this Roman Reigns bloodline story, the, the, I, I would say they 
they feel so much bigger than the championships themselves. Yes, Roman is a champion, but just even the inner, you know, family dynamics and what's at stake between the two of them with their egos and the future of the faction and their family feels even bigger than like what somebody would be gaining from a championship win that they could like, they, they're really bridging the gap between WrestleMania and SummerSlam incredibly well. So, you know, we, we, we see what they can do. They're, they're already kind of halfway there to before next year's WrestleMania. Let's go to John Pine. John Pine sends $5. Thank you, John. He says, amazing red is wrestling in GCW July 14th at the Melrose. Taking oh, title there. match. I stand corrected. And DK. So he is uh, back wrestling. So you know what your dream of a Zelina Vega match with uh, amazing red still very much in play. Thank you, John Pine, as always. John Fury said $7 Canadian. He says, could you see new members added to the bloodline? Like Manu, Jacob Fatu, Tamiko T. Fatu. Probably not Jacob Fatu um, this week. Not a good week for him. Um, I Listen, I'm fine with if there's a reason for it. Like there was a reason for uh, for Solo to be added and he became a principal member of the group. But if it's just numbers, um, I'm always hesitant when we have just, um, you know, numbers for the sake of them. Like there needs to be a defined role for them. And I would think for your main story, that would be the case. So, um yeah, it's it, it depends on like if, if there's a purpose for it. So that that's my answer. I would have like I would have said no to this question even if you would have were to bring up Solo Sokoa, you know, like a year ago because I I didn't think that he'd work out this well. Um, so it's hard to say, you know, without knowing who it is, uh, what they're capable of, and what sort of creative that they they could come up with. Now, what we can say is that whatever this group of minds that have brought us these stories, they've delivered every single time so i have full confidence you know if it's any of the people that you mentioned if they were to be inserted into the group that it it has a really good chance of doing well but i think you also look at like who's currently in their system and i i don't know i i don't know if there's anybody who's related to them um that i would suggest who is even related to to them right now uh simone you know yeah ava ava is not ready for i mean not for the bloodline no all right Let's go to Kelsey Daly, who sends five pounds, our last super chat of the day. He says, do you have any speculation around what the stiff for Cody and the Brock's match can be for SummerSlam? You guys rule, by the way. I've been listening to years, for years. Thank you. Thank you, Kelsey. I think we had suggested, I think Hell in a Cell would be a bit of a poetic way, you know, for for Cody to maybe get his second big moment um, a year afterwards. Um, But really, they could do anything. Cage match would still feel like a big thing, too. Yeah, I mean, part of me thinks like if you're going to do Hell in a Cell, it's like that could almost headline one of those like September, October shows on its own. Um, but, but they're getting you... away from that, right? Like having a show strictly named Hell in a Cell. But you're right. Like, they No, I'm saying it. like this This is a feud that calls for it, not the other mm-hmm. way around where we've got Hell in a Cell on this date and we need a match. Like right. this one, it's the natural for the rubber match, which again, I you could do it at SummerSlam. Like that's... I think the next time you do a hell in a cell with Cody, there's going to be that. It, it kind of means a little bit more and the feud can call for it as well. Um, or you could just market it as, you know, just um, whether it be a submission match or an I quit match. I mean, you, you could throw whatever at it. It's ultimately it's the third match between them. And it's, it all comes down to if you want something to enhance. So who's your daddy match? Who is your daddy? Okay, let's go to our phone calls here. And let's start off with a, I believe this might be a new caller. Stu, are you there? Yes, can Hello, you hear Stu. me? Hello, Stu. Hi. Yes. Sorry, I'm on Bluetooth headset, so if I cut off then. Yeah, I uh, went to the show tonight. 
It's my first show in first WWE show since WrestleMania 20, the 32. Okay. Which is wow. weirdly since the last, the first time I actually started listening to you two. So oh, that's, that's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a great time. Uh, I thought the crowd was brilliant. I don't know how it came across on TV because I've not watched watch anything back. I've, I've, I've not been able to listen to your show because I've been traveling back to the hotel. But yeah, the crowd were brilliant. I don't know if you heard right at the end, everyone was singing along to the Usos music and everything. It was just, mm-hmm. I just, I just thought it was brilliant. Like, I, I don't know what you guys thought about the show well, overall. We, we, we thought, Stu, we thought the crowd was excellent, excellent on this show. Yeah, I think, I think it brought up some of the the, the matches. To to be honest, because it seemed lively pretty much from start to finish, and it helped yeah, a lot I mean, of the matches. To be honest with you, especially towards the end. Yeah, I think there was a bit of a like lull between like the women's Money in the Bank and then the Seth Balor match seemed to dip a little. Uh, but I think towards the end of those matches, it seemed to pick up. I didn't particularly like Damien Priest coming out in that match if he wasn't going to cash in. I thought that was a bit pointless. Sorry, go ahead, please. I just didn't think it really added much. I thought if he was going to come out and teat like, actually cash in it might have been fun but to just stand there and do nothing it didn't really i I didn't personally i just didn't think it added much they always like to tease you know like maybe just even as a way to announce that hey now you've got this interesting dynamic between balor who wants the championship and priest who has a very viable path to it um it's it almost just seems like a way to like you know play with the very interesting unique dynamics that are that exist right now but i want to ask you yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about the the John Cena appearance. Tell me about maybe what the reaction was like to that surprise, and your thoughts on WrestleMania possibly coming to London. What, what, were you talking about it with the people there? Give us. The oh yeah. Report. So the funny, the funny thing is, I went to the toilet and during, the, and then I was in the toilet and I heard John Cena's music, and I saw this young lad just run out of the toilet, and I was like. That's John Cena's music. So I ran out of the toilet, went back to my seat, and uh, it's like John Cena was there, bigging up the crowd. <laughs> Obviously, mentioned WrestleMania. Everyone went crazy. And like, I think, I think WrestleMania in the UK would be massive. And I actually think so. Wembley Stadium holds ninety thousand people seated. If you just have a football match there, it's ninety thousand people. Mm-hmm. Now, if you count ninety thousand people plus the floor seats they put in, that that's potentially what 110 120,000 people they could do like that's huge they, they will announce something like that i'm sure how many people can yeah. you fit into every bathroom stall oh how many people can you fit into oh, yeah, you know? i know what wwe is like yeah. <laughs> you know they include everybody but um yeah i just uh, uh wrestlemania in wembley would be massive i was actually gonna ask you guys do you think that that is a response to all in yeah, so we did have a bit of this conversation earlier on. Um, I thought uh, um, somebody on Twitter uh, brought up a great point about how it's unlike them to maybe tease the arrival of an announcement um, rather than just strictly announce something. And I I think you could at least call into question the timing of, of this uh, having something to do with AEW. It just, it, you know... It, it could it could be a coincidence, but I'm personally just knowing the history of these companies, um, willing to bet that it's done. I just thought it was a bit more like AEW have been bragging about this being the biggest gate 
and WWE wouldn't want that. They'd want the biggest gate. So I just personally just thought they'd want to be like, okay, we can do better. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd love it because obviously coming from the UK, to have a WrestleMania in the UK would be amazing. But uh, I, I hope it's not just a tease because I know John Cena's done this before. I don't remember if, if you remember a few years ago, he'd mentioned about WrestleMania should be in the UK and nothing came Did he came say that? It. In a promo, like on on a yeah, yeah. show, yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he really? said something along. Yeah, it wasn't. Maybe like, this is his was... gimmick now. Just goes to the UK and teases people <laughs> yeah. at WrestleMania. Yeah, it yeah. was a few. I can't exactly remember it, but a hundred percent, he definitely teased a WrestleMania in the UK because obviously everyone, you know, everyone in the UK went nuts about the fact that oh, we're getting a WrestleMania, and then five years later, nothing. So <laughs> okay, I hope well. this time it's not just a tease and we actually get it. This seemed like the biggest statement that he's made, but you know, we'll check in in five years and see if it came true. But thank you so yeah. much, Stu, for, for the call and glad uh, yeah, you had thanks a great for, time. Thanks okay, thank you, Stu. Thank you, Stu. Take care. Uh, all right, a couple more super chats coming in here, and we give those priorities. So let's go to Richard Young, who sends five pounds to say, If they do bring Mania to the UK, will you guys come over? You have loads of fans in the UK. We need a live John and Way show. Keep up the great work. Well, um. If Way comes onto one of our shows and uh, cuts a promo about the decision makers here at Post Wrestling <laughs> and why why they're scared of you, um, then that would be our confirmation. Richard, that we're going. you are the show, okay? And uh, just let the world know that you want John and Way over, uh, you know, in the UK for something. Um, thank you so much for the super chat, Richard. Gary sends two pounds to say, Cena was swimming in London this week. So there yeah. you go. Maybe just a matter of convenience. Interesting. Uh, thank you so much for that added information, uh, Gary, and all, all you guys for your super chats. All right, quickly, let's go to some phone calls here because we are uh, we want to get you guys out so that you can watch AEW Collision. Okay, that's that's the real reason here. Hansi, what's up? What's going on? Um, is Collision coming on TSN this week or no? Tonight at midnight. I'm, okay, cool, cool. Then I'll I'll, I'll try to catch the, the replay. I don't, I'm not, I'm not really in a hurry to. I I gotta get my wrestling fix already, or whatever. But um, no, I. I, I some of the matches, I, I again, the, the, I gotta give props to the crowd. The crowd was amazing the whole night. Uh, the the money in the bank ladder matches, I thought were really well done. It's like it's it's always hard whenever like you have these ladder matches because like there's like ladder matches given away, like not even just money in the bank ladder matches. Like you have so many in so many promotions that like it's hard to come up with like um, innovative spots. So sometimes I kind of dread them because it's like kind of standard by now, but I thought like they did some pretty good creative stuff, whatever. And, um, uh, I, I, I gotta say that like the, the Seth and Balor match, it didn't gain the second gear for me. Uh, but I thought it was like still a decent match. Uh, you know what I mean? Like they did a good job with the hype with it. Um, I can't say that I was too enthralled by some of the decisions. Like I, I want a, Sh- a Shane on Ronda feud, but it felt very WCW 98. Like I was just like, uh, you know, trailing a partner midway through for no reason. You know what I mean? Like the division is like kind of like you know dead, or whatever. But the main the main event, I I, I, I can I can agree. I can see your point about like how like a lot of it was just like like nothing really going on. But I think when you have like an like character that you're invested into, it it just it, it just it kind of reminds me in good ways of like in the eighties when like you would have these characters that are over and you didn't have to do much. 
But as long as you've got them like in the palm of your hand by the end of it, I think that's all that counts really. But I, I, I agree with you. It wasn't like the, the, the most technical sa- savvy match on the planet. You know what I mean? But I got to say that I, it was a good call having Jimmy, uh, Jey Uso pin because, listen, if you're not going to win the title, at least from this bloodline feud, he should get some type of milestone from it. And it should be, you know what I mean? And I'm glad they did all the callbacks. So I was into every single thing. I can't say that um, I, I, I was I was against it, whatever. But, um, you know, and, and that's, that's basically it. I just wanted to uh, chime in and just say uh, good good uh, job with, like, all the shows you guys have done this week, whatever. So uh, I hope you guys are well and have a happy Canada Day. Peace out. Same Thank you, Hansi. Hansi. Happy Canada Day. Let's go to Paul from the UK. Hello, Paul. Uh, hey, John oh. and Wade. Huge fan. Just uh, just driving home from the show now. Can you hear me? I can yeah. hear you. I hope you're not oh. behind the wheel. No, no, no. My partner, Lisa, she's, uh, oh, she's good. driving. Thank, thank you, Lisa. Lisa. Keep Paul yeah, safe. Yeah, no. I just wanted to say thank you for everything you guys do. Incredible work. Uh, I'm not much of a talker, but the show was amazing. Um, unreal, really. So, yeah, just wanted to say a huge thanks, and I'll, I'll peace out, but thank you. Oh, uh, Paul, so- call in anytime. Our, our, thank you, Paul. We, we love to hear it. Thank you so much. I'm glad you enjoyed the show. It, it It's so lovely that we get to hear from, you know, almost like a different group of people doing the show in the afternoon. So uh, I, I love these afternoon shows. Look at this. Just calling in and say, hey, we, we love you. Uh, come to the UK. I mean, <laughs> man, great. let's just move there, way. Maybe I'll go tomorrow. You want you want to? So nice over there. We'll just, uh, we'll go move in with Benno. Uh, so positive. Let's check in here with uh, Muggin. Hey, Muggin. Oh, look at Muggin. Of- just, uh, he's smiling. He, he, loved, he loved that. Well, I want you to read the screen cap. It says the NOI bloodline ends here. Okay. Um, it's right. uh, what? It says the NOI bloodline ends here. The NOI bloodline okay. ends here. Okay. You love that right. match, didn't you, uh, Muggin? I mean, top to bottom, this was a hell of a show. It was a hell of a yeah. show. Listen, a great story. A great story always has callbacks. And in that in that match, there were plenty of callbacks, especially going back to the Night of Champions three years ago in the Dome. The, when... Um, when Roman hit the low blow as he was kicking out to Jay, and to see that, and to see the, and to see the tables get turned on that, oh, it's like these kinds of things reward viewers like me who pay attention. Because I don't know if you noticed during like takeovers or whatever. Like, I mean, in each of those matches, like there's always a, an acute attention to detail because there's always a little something that you could pick up on, and, and this applies here. Man, this is I mean, this is this is excellent. Especially like the last. I'm not, I'm not trying to laugh, Muggin, but it's like when, when we like think this stuff out, it's like how low are our standards that it's just like, man, Roman used this move once. You know, it'd be cool. Someone uses the move against him, and we're like, oh my God, they remembered it. And it's like, that's where our level is at, where it's just like, okay, the move that worked for him was used against him. And it's like, amazing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's. I don't think it's so hard to just be able to do simple stuff like that, that your audience will totally applaud you for. And I'm not saying you shouldn't like it's, it's great to call that stuff back, but at the same time, like when it's not done, I think that's the frustration is like, it's, it's not exactly rocket science here either. Well, I I will say there aren't many feuds that have lasted this long with memorable things attached to them like that. You know, most matches that we see on a day-to-day basis are like, you know, built what, what, with one month sort of program, even rematches. I mean, sometimes you'll have like, you know, a buckle bomb with Seth Rollins and Finn Balor, but I, I think it's relatively rare, especially in the context of one singular uninterrupted long program, like with the bloodline. So yeah, I think it's worth applauding. 
and not to mention the fact that, like, you I mean, uh, that near fall where that near fall where Roman stacked both Usos, that called back to WrestleMania when he did it to mm-hmm. Edge and Bryan. And and when the Usos, Usos kicked out, I damn, my, my head almost hit the ceiling. Uh, I, I don't, don't, don't do that, Muggin. Uh, need you to call in. How would you how would you I mean, handle SummerSlam? Okay, going with the idea of Reigns and Jay. Like, how do you how, how do you book that match? What do you think would be the uh, the the best way to put that together? Roman losing tonight. Roman losing tonight needed to happen because him tasting the feet for the first time in like three and a half years is just going to make him even more of a monster heading into Detroit. Hmm. So I mean, because he because at this point we've seen him like you know be so confident, so, be the coolest guy in the room. Now, for the first time in what feels like forever, he's dealing with adversity from his own family. So it's going to it's going to drive him even it's going to drive him even further into 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 madness. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether or not Jay, whether or not Jay is going to beat him in Detroit, that remains to be seen because you never like you never want to bet against the head of the table when the chips are down. But hey, it's it's up to them right now because who knows what's going to happen between now and Philadelphia. And uh, yeah. going down the rest of the show. I was so fucking thrilled that Eagle Sky won. The finish was so brilliant. It called back to like when you remember when remember when Sami Zayn used the handcuffs in that triple yep. third match. Yeah, yeah. Home, I thought of that too. Mr. Yeah. Hardy and AJ. It, it definitely echoed that. And her handcuffing Bailey and Becky to the ladder, man, it was just perfect. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, not to mention the uh, the men's match. Look, I wasn't. Oh, he was he was stunned. He was stunned the at the men's ladder it. match. Yeah, I mean, I like that. I like the priest won it because I feel like you know, there's Bill is going to deepen the rift between him and Finn Balor, and of course the, the world title the world title match with Rollins and Balor was it was fine. I've seen, I, I mean, I've seen, I've seen better matches from them. Uh, Muggin, we are running low on time here, but thank you so much as always for the call. Appreciate, Appreciate it, guys. It. Happy Canada Day! It was well happy spent. Canada Day. Thanks, Muggin. And I also want to wish a happy Canada Day to my favorite Canadian, Brandon from New Jersey. Welcome to the show. You're our last caller of the night. Coburg's finest. Hello, can you hear me? Hi, Brandon. Yes, hey, uh, I just want to say on behalf of Canada, uh, we, we just want to say we're proud of you guys. Do you want to sing the anthem for everyone? <laughs> I don't think you want to hear my pipes. I didn't. I didn't do karaoke, so I, I just want to say we just got out of Ring of Honor too, me and Eric, uh, and now Eric's doing the UFC fights right now. I heard that Blago Ibanoff fight was bad. But anyway, uh, I just want to talk about the show real quick. Uh, yeah, I love the show. I thought it was great. Uh, Roman um, and all that. That, 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 that. That's cinema, right? Right? The, the Did you event. wish you were front row for this show? Uh, no, nah, I had more fun at the AEW show. Come on. <laughs> uh, you know, the, that crowd was pretty lit, though. I mean, uh, to, to borrow a phrase from someone we know. Uh, it what was, was it like touching Hiroshi Tanahashi? What was it like? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was like touching God, man. Yeah. I mean, Neil was right there. So yeah, Neil. Oh man, what what a vibe Neil was at that on that show, man. Dan. Uh, incredible. Um, I I took. Uh, well, you know, you see, was Cena at the at uh, Forbidden Door because he gave the, the same speech as uh, Danielson. <laughs> you, 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 Did Danielson you, say that they should I mean, bring Danielson never promised Toronto another show, so. <laughs> But he was just—he was just like thanking the fans from the heart, and I—he did, I, he did call Brandon from New Jersey yeah, the best he crowd he might have ever been in front of. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, I shook his hand too. I, did it, you like, look at that? But look, listen—I shook his hand and I shook Phil Chertok's hand, and both had the devil's grip, man. Those guys are strong, man. Like God, Phil was uh, an impressive-looking cat, man. Respect that mountain climbing is paying off. 
Any other thoughts, uh, Vernon, on this late? Yeah, night? Uh, John, uh, I, I, I too saw Stevie B. Uh, he ruined the show too. <laughs> I saw what uh, we were, uh, we were kids, and we were dragged to Great Adventure. That's a theme park in Jersey, and uh, we saw Stevie B. With uh, it was my sister's fault uh, that my parents took us to the show, and it was Stevie B. With Menudo, but it was like the NWB team of Menudo. <laughs> Wasn't like uh, an interaction with God when you saw Stevie. It was not. We were tortured for two hours. We just wanted to go on rides, but our sister wanted to see uh, that that horrific show. She was into that freestyle uh, style of music back in the day. But uh, I just wanted to say I I shared your pain that night. Uh, I know you didn't hear Angel by uh, Danny. What's his name? Danny or Joey? Joey. (laughs) Joey. Uh, That's all I got. I love you guys. Uh, Happy Canada Day. Proud of you. Proud uh, from. from Grimsby to uh, to uh, wherever you're at, happy Canada Day. I, I salute you. Thank you. Thank you. That's Brandon Thank you. from Jasper, Alberta. All okay. right. Uh, a few pieces of written feedback. We don't. Um, we might not have time for all of them, but uh, we'll get through as many as we can. Uh, start off here with Chris from Scotland. Chris Duke says, "I am beat." I think it is programming to me and to be tired at the end of a PLE as normally it's 5 a.m. when a show like this finishes. That being said, for me, this show was nonstop from the moment it started. The men's money in the bank match was fantastic and everything I wanted from it. Logan Paul frustratingly continues to impress. It fills me with joy to see him leaning into the heel persona because that is his calling. Uh, I wasn't expecting much from the women's tag title match, but the turn from Shayna was very unexpected and a little confusing. I was telling my wife tonight that for as long as I've been watching Gunther, I've never seen him have a bad match. Tonight was no different. Surely mentioning a London mania would suggest that it's in the works. No, I know I'm being overly positive, but really, it really was a great show. It was, it was a very good show. Um, I would certainly, I would certainly say a, th- a thumbs up show it was a perfect show. No, but I think um, the, the areas I think maybe of, uh, of critique, I think it's, going to be remembered for like the crowd that was just so great that even took like an average match and made it um a bit more memorable and lively eric from cork ireland decent enough show which really benefited from the crowd women's ladder match was the match of the night for me largely because they tried to avoid making it a dumb spot fest that would be forgotten about in a week the men's match i will have completely forgotten about in about two days the fine the fine event was fine (laughs) but not the war that was promised they worked it as a standard WWE main event match with lockups, headlocks, and none of the aggression or hatred I would have wanted from this. It's a good point because the Heyman promo, it set it up like this is this man, Roman Reigns, out for blood to dismember these two. And it was not fought with that aggression, that match. Like it was, I think that kind of emphasized like you just the very slow plotting nature of the first half, which again, granted you had the audience with you, but it was kind of counter to this promo that was introduced at the beginning of the night. Waller came across as a bit of a geek with Cena. He's done nothing positive since being called up. And I, I don't see how tonight helped him. I thought he came across really well with John Cena. Like this guy went toe to toe with him. Yes. He took the AA, uh, but I did not think this was a negative appearance for Grayson Waller. For me, like, you know, you're talking about John Cena here, who at this point is a movie star. And I think every bit like of like what The Rock almost felt like when he came back for his run against John Cena. Um, and not to say, you know, Grayson Waller is in a similar position to where, where Cena was. But the fact that he was able to be in the ring with that level of superstardom and not feel out of place, I think was a huge win for a guy straight out of NXT. Mm-hmm. You know, like what your main takeaway coming out of that should not be about, you know, Waller taking an an AA. It should be about how confident the dude sounded on that type of stage in with that sort of pressure. 
and he completely delivered. So I would disagree personally. We go to Jermaine from Chicago. He's, who says the London crowd was great. I was really impressed with Waller holding his own and with an all time great, like Cena. That was Waller's best segment. I really didn't like priest winning because he's coming off a clean loss. And he just had a title shot two weeks ago where he um lost clean. The WWE that needs over baby faces could have done the right thing first. Cody now LA Knight. It's truly a crap babyface company. Let's, mm-hmm. Lastly, let's be real here. Here, that main event match wasn't good, and the crowd sat on its hands most of the match. After ten minutes, I was like, "Let's wrap this up." Great angle should lead to a great match, and too often Roman matches are average. I can admit this presentation. His presentation has gotten better, but his in ring has not have a great week. Okay, uh, uh, listen, I'm not going to disagree with him. Like you and I were not into this match for a good portion of it. I cannot say that about that crowd. They were not sitting on their hands for that match. They were singing. They were chanting at Roman throughout. I mean, they were. They were alive for this, and at times I was surprised because so little uh, was happening at times. Colin from Glasgow. Highlight of the night for me was meeting Benno in the queue for the bar before the women's money in the bank. He told me Davey is cooking up a great cocktail menu for all in it. Disclaimer, don't watch much WWE and mostly follow through your reviews, but I enjoyed being in attendance at this show. In between the men's money in the bank match and the main event, for, or he's going between the money in the bank men's match and the main event for match of the night. I probably give the main event the edge because the closing stretch from the double stack near fall was phenomenal. Cena segment was an incredible atmosphere to be part of. I never thought I would see a UK crowd cheer Cena. Question, do you think WWE crowds have become less rebellious since AEW? While the crowd tonight was loud and it was a great atmosphere, it didn't have the usual UK boo the faces, cheer the heels energy. Even the hometown guys were the most over in their matches like Pete Dunne and Pretty Deadly. Definitely. There's definitely been that shift, I think, for WWE audience. And it's been evident since the pandemic ended. Like, this is not your audience. And I think part of that is the fact that I think generally there's a much more positive view of the creative and the stories and thus they are more into the baby faces. And And, and the creative is listening to the audience, you know, somebody like an LA Knight, if we're talking about producers that aren't listening, LA Knight wouldn't even be in the money in the bank. You know, there wouldn't even be an opportunity to cheer for an LA Knight. So I think I think it's a it's a combination of people that are listening to crowds and giving them what they want. And maybe just, I don't know, wrestling fans just getting tired of, you know, booing for the sake of booing. And I don't even think that was really that much of an issue. So. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, Anything else? Uh, Uh, That is it. uh, Let's go to here. Actually, BJ. uh, Sorry, B. BG and Paps from London just left the O2 after a great event. Men's ladder match was the match of the night for me. Bloodline tag started off slow, but where we sat, there was a huge bright light shining at us. This took a lot of the crowd out of the match. I even heard some CM Punk chants. LA Knight and Cena got the biggest cheers, and London still loves their Bailey song. Good fun was had despite wrestling fans still thinking showers and deodorant is illegal. Okay, well, there you go. I thought they were going to take their shoes off at one point when they're doing that song. Oh, do you think there were any shoeies afterwards? I know that's more uh, of an Australian thing, right? Yeah, but I mean, why not? It's be, it's It's been exported. When we get Waller versus Cena and Grayson Waller beats him at WrestleMania in London, yeah, we will. Okay. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in tonight for our review of Money in the Bank. On uh, Sunday, we will have... 
Kate and John Cena with Collision Course. So you can check that out on the Post Wrestling Cafe. You can support us at postwrestlingcafe.com. Tons of bonus shows coming at you on a weekly basis. And we'll have some news about that on Monday, going over uh, some of the changes to the cafe, updated uh, release dates, and what we have planned for the summer. So postwrestlingcafe.com is where you can go. Uh, a $6 uh, subscription gets you access for a month to the site. And then if you so choose, you can uh, stick on board. Uh, it's a minimum of four shows. You get extra per week. You can also subscribe at video.postwrestling.com if you want video content of all the cafe exclusives. So uh, yeah. go check out all of that. Two bonus shows through the cafe this week. I mean, not even including Rewind of SmackDown, which of course took place last night. But we also have our Secret Invasion episode two review with Rich and JP from Grapple talking about this week's edition of Marvel's Secret Invasion. So check that out. And if you sign up right now, you'll even get the start of G1 coverage coming later on this month as well. So postwrestlingcafe.com to give us some support. And we give you guys a lot of shows as well. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Have a great rest of your weekend. And Way and I will speak with you Monday night after Raw. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.